Oh, do you feel like you've been blessed already this morning? Yeah. It's kind of, kind of times like that where I think, man, maybe we should just shorten up the sermon for the morning. Forget about it. So if you've been coming to Windover Hills like a long time, like much, much longer than me, then this is something new for you this morning. Uh, And I hope it's something you look forward to every year. It's our State of the Church address. And it's where we're going to look back on the the past year, those goals and accomplishments that we had. And then we're going to jump into this new year and talk about where we see the Lord leading us. So our purpose at Windover Hills Church is to help one more person find their way back to God. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be a part. I mean, we're passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus Christ and then surrendering their life fully to his ways and to receive what he has to offer. So the question this morning as we start walking through this is, how do we accomplish that type of mission? How do we accomplish that type of goal? Well, let me share with you three things, and if you have this morning your, your, your sheet that you came in with and you hand it, if you don't, just slip up your hand. I, I, look at that. I got two guys ready to go right in the back. They are going to sprint to you and uh, hand this to you this morning, and, and you'll have that. You also need one of these I'm all in cards in a few minutes as well. So if you'll take your, your sermon outline there, you can start working through that as I go. How do we accomplish this? First of all, um, we exist to win people to Christ. I want to make no mistake that we understand that one of the reasons we exist at Windover Hills is to win people to Christ. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You see, this was the mission of Jesus Christ. That was his mission. The problem today is, I mean, we have lots of churches with lots of people who love Jesus but they don't love what Jesus loved. And Jesus was passionate about reaching lost people. So how are we going to win more people to Jesus Christ here at Wendover? Well, first thing we need to know is that we're going to have to penetrate the culture out there. Here's what the Bible says. You are, a light, uh, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, or I would say a church with the word hill in the title. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, everyone, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, our task as Christians is to penetrate every area of our culture for the gospel. But I guess you ask, how in the world are we going to do that How are we going to do that in a world where the church is losing influence almost weekly? 67% of people in North Carolina don't go to church on any given Sunday. And yet statistics tell us that 85% of those who don't go to church say, I'd go next week if you invited me to go. I mean, isn't that interesting? That kind of blew my mind when I read that. I had to do a little double take to make sure I was reading properly those statistics. Most of us are led to believe that our friends don't want to be invited to church. They're not interested, is what we think. They don't want to be here anyway. But 85% said that if you'd asked me, I'd go with you. And yet the same stats tell us that only about 2% of Christians ever really invite anyone to church. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? It's interesting sometimes that we will uh, name drop to advance our own cause or ourselves but we're afraid to name drop Jesus Christ to advance his causes. 
churches often uh, send out response cards. Maybe you've seen them sometimes that uh, when you go visit and they'll ask, you know, hey, well, what, what's going on or how did you come about coming to our church? And, and they're, they're trying to learn how to do things better. Well, that one question is always on there. How did you happen to find this church? Here's some interesting stats. You may not have known this. Nine percent of people find churches by just driving by. You know, they're driving by. Maybe they, it's on their route to work every day, and they just see it over and over, and they say, hey, let's check out that church. Nine percent uh, are, and this is more of a today stat, are finding it online through websites or through Facebook and, and things of the such. Eleven percent came from some event promotion. Church was doing some special event. Maybe it was uh, on uh, Halloween or Thanksgiving or things like that, and a mailer went out or signage went up, and they found it that way. Sixty-eight percent were invited. 68% were invited. Now, I know for you math whizzes out there, you're uh, right away saying, hey, that leaves 3%. Um, 2% is births. They showed up to church that week because they were born that week. Uh, and interesting, 1% is general mailers. General mailers. Hey, we've got to get a mailer out this week so they know about it. 1%. Just doesn't work. But 68% are invited. That's the key. That's the key, 68%. If we're going to reach this city, then you and I are going to have to be bold. We're going to have to be bold. We're going to have to not be afraid to invite our friends, our family members, our coworkers to come along with us and experience what God is doing here and what God is doing in our life. And that challenge before us is incredible today because you know so many people are seeking spiritual answers out there, and yet they don't believe that the church has the answers to those spiritual questions. We have to be bold and show them otherwise. Really, people aren't turned off by Jesus today. People are turned off by church politics. People are turned off by Christians who don't walk the talk. And so you see, the challenge before us is it's pretty great. Almost everyone you talk to in America today, anyone you talk to, especially in an election year, is going to say, America needs some change, right? Right? I mean, that's the platform of just about every person you listen to in an election year. But few of us are willing to be the change. Few of us are willing to change ourselves, and we must be the change. We must be the change that we want to see. That's how it's going to happen. You say, Pastor, I don't like what's going on in my neighborhood. Change it. I don't like what's going on in my city. You be the change. You be the change. Venture out, step forward. I don't like what's happening in the this, this spiritual climate of my friends and my co-worker, change it. Change it. That we're the ones that can make that type of change. You see, often we're, we're led in the Christian world to sit back and to, to maybe criticize and evaluate. This church isn't quite doing it right, or they should do it different, or, or I don't think that's very effective. When really, we're the ones that need to step up and change. We're the ones that need to step up and make it happen and keep spreading that gospel. You see, if we're going to penetrate our culture for the good news of Jesus, we have to see where we work and where we play, where we live as our platform to impact others for Christ. We've got to see every avenue as that platform. You know, secondly, though, we have to evaluate our strategy. Now, you may say, well, strategy? We have a strategy on how to reach people? Absolutely, we have a strategy on how to reach people. Most churches tend to try to reach everyone, and they do a poor job of reaching anyone. And so we have a strategy. Let me just share with you a couple of those strategies that we have this morning. Number one, one of our strategies is we want to reach the man so we can reach the whole family. 
want to reach the man so we can reach the whole family. Now, you might say, hey, why in the world would we just try to reach men? Because statistics tell us that when a child accepts Christ, 7% of the time, that whole family is going to come to Christ as well. If a mother accepts Christ, 18% of the time, the whole family is going to come to know Jesus. But if the man accepts Christ, 93% of the time, that whole family is going to come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, think about it for a second from a business perspective. Just put the church aside. Who are you going after? Who are you going after? That doesn't mean we don't value women and we don't value kids. I mean, women, our women's ministry is, is phenomenal here. In fact, in most churches, the women's ministry is pretty good. And the men's ministry suffers pretty good. So we value women greatly. We value our kids greatly. We're pumping resources into our kids' ministry because we value them so much. These are vital to us. But we believe that one of the real keys to this church is that men have to be reached. Men have to be reached. And there's no apology for this. Guys, if you're new with us or fairly new with us, we're coming after you. (laughs) We want you. We want this to be a place where you as men feel comfortable about coming to church. In our culture today, it's 50% men and 50% women, right? But in the church culture, it's over 60% women and less than 40% men. Why is that? I think it's because most churches, they've really lost the adventure of living for Jesus. Lost the adventure for it. And you know, for, for men, I mean, we're, we're not interested in holy huddles. We're kind of all or nothing type of, of guys. We either cherish the risk of serving Jesus or we walk away from it all. No adventure, no risk, and men will stay away from church in groves. And so for us, we want to reach men. Why do we want to reach men? We want men to be the spiritual leaders of their families. We want men to be spiritual leaders of their businesses. I think that most men, and guys think about this, most men feel like failures spiritually in their family. Most men feel that way. I mean, hang on a second, guys. I'm not, I don't have any desire to beat you up. I want to help you in this category. You see, at times in my life, I've sat back and I've looked at my family and I said, man, I'm just not doing the job spiritually. And I would guess if you search yourself men, you would probably say the exact same thing. And so we want this place to be a place that you can grow. We want this place to be important to you. We want it to be a place where you can be encouraged and built up spiritually. And men, we want you to win with your families. We want you to win. And guys, it's it's crucial that you get involved in our small groups that are going on. It's crucial that you find a group of guys that will hold you accountable. One of the things that you're going to see happening in February is the launching of four breakfast groups that are specifically designed as accountability groups for guys. Places that you can start out your day just sharing like, man, my week stunk, and and you can hear just an encouraging word from one another, maybe grab a breakfast too. And really, guys, um, unless, unless you're working at that time, really the only reason to not be involved in that is that you didn't drag yourself out of bed to get there. We want to provide that for you because, men, it's so important to be accountable in your spiritual growth because, guys, listen to me, one day we will be held accountable. And so model for your families now how important it is to be in the word, to be in church, to love Jesus. So we want to reach the man so we can reach the whole family. Secondly, we want to reach our neighbors so we can change our culture. That's right. We want to reach our neighbor. I mean, how, the question is, how are we going to change this 130 Wendover Hillers into really a force out there? How are we going to do that? How are we going to change that culture around us? We have to get involved in the life of people where we live. 
We have to get involved in the life of those people. I mean, we have to see a ministry as well beyond this church property. In other words, you say, well, this is church. And I said, no, this is a pep rally to get us to go be the church throughout the week. That's what this is. And you say, you know, you come here and you're here an hour or so during the week and you say, man, I did my church. I've done that this week. No, church also is what happens. It happened Monday through Saturday. All through the week is what church is. That's when we go out and we impact this city and impact our triad. And that's why our small group ministries and our neighborhood ministry is really, it's the engine that drives what we're doing here at Windover Hills. You see, we, uh, we need to see ourselves not as just coming to church, but we need to see ourselves as going out and being the church everywhere at any point in time during our week. Small groups here, they're designed not simply so that you can gather for another period of time with some people that you like here that you see on Sunday mornings. No, I mean, they are designed as a place where you can walk next door to your neighbor and you can say, why don't you come along and join our small group? Come check it out once. I mean, these are, this is something you can invite your neighbor to or in your neighborhood or at least in your neck of the woods as well. Let me share a few numbers with you. In 2010, we had about 40 people who were involved in small groups. This past year, we had 104 that we averaged in our small group ministry. And that was a huge jump for us. And we had 160% increase in our small group attendance. And we've planned three additional small groups to help accommodate new people that have come on to Windover Hills in the last several months. Our goal is that every person at Windover Hills would be in a small group. Every single person. Uh, you can say, wow, that's a, little, you know, that's a little extreme goal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're pushing for. But what's an additional goal is that we would like to see every person inviting a neighbor or coworker to join your small group and be a part of your small group with you. You see, in the church world, we're learning there's an increasing number every single year of people that will connect into the body of Christ through a small group experience before they ever will through a corporate worship experience. And so it is crucial that we have these small groups right in your neighborhood, right where you live. You, we'll keep training the leaders, and you keep growing the small groups, and we'll keep launching new small groups. That's a way that we're going to reach our neighbors for Jesus. Andy Stanley says growth almost always happens in community. Almost always happens in community. And so this is important. The key is we're never going to change the city just coming here for an hour and going out and, and doing whatever we do. Now we're going we're gonna to change it when we get involved in our neighborhood right where we live. So we want to reach the man to reach the whole family. We want to reach the neighborhood to change the culture. And we want to reach the younger generation so we have a future. This past year, we made a huge investment in our, to reach our kids at a time when money was not, not overly abundant. And we continue to resource our kids' ministry program in a time where, where, where for all of us, money is not abundant. But we have a growing and a dynamic kids' program. In 2010, we averaged about 12 kids in that program. This past year, we've averaged about 35-plus kids in that program. I mean, they're all over the place back there if you walk through that hallway. Last year, we averaged almost zero in the youth program. I mean, there was no youth program. But this year, uh, or this past year alone, we've had activities with over 20 teens, and we've launched a biweekly worship service called Impact that's designed specifically for teens and mine. You know, having been a youth pastor for 16 years, I believe 
If we don't constantly reevaluate our strategy, why and how we're doing what we're doing, then we'll end up in 2012 with a, with a, a church that's geared towards 1983. And the Bible doesn't change. The message doesn't change. You know, what we are sharing in the gospel is the same in the mission, but our means necessary to share that message will be different. Or we'll wake up one day and there'll be no young people at all around here. And if you, you think that that's not a real fear, you can walk in the door to many churches in many locations and you'll see that. That's not our desire. So that's why this is crucial for us. It's crucial. So the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing at winning people to Jesus Christ? This year, through Wendover Hills People or Ministries, we saw over 20 people come to know the Lord as their Savior. 20 people. That's 20 people who were lost, who God used you and I to help find their way back to himself. That is 20 people. How about worship, Lieutenant Son? Yeah, all right, good. How about worship service as well? In 2010, we finished averaging just over 60 in worship attendance uh, here. In 2011, we grew every month outside of those couple summer vacation months where you were out gallivanting somewhere as I was here and during the heat of this building. Yeah. This past year, we finished the year averaging 130 in worship service. That's a 100% growth rate this past year. And we're currently talking about short-term help in things like adding a second service or long-term help in, in discussing facilities and future development and where we might be down the road. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in, in this address. Did you know that only 7% of churches in America are growing? Only 7% are growing. So the Lord has really blessed us. But don't get cocky. (laughs) Don't get cocky. Let's just be humble and continue to do what the Lord has called us to do here at Wendover's. So if we're going to reach this triad for Jesus, uh, we have to have a passion for reaching the lost because that is what Jesus had, a passion for reaching the lost. You may say things like, hey, we're doing great. We're doing awesome. And I'd say, no, no, we have some good numbers to attach to this past year. But 67% of people in North Carolina don't go to church. 67%. There's so much more for us to do. There's so many more out there for us to invite along to be a part of it with us. So we exist to win people to Christ. Uh, Secondly, uh, we exist to train believers to become disciples. We don't want just decisions. People who raise their hands, say a prayer, or simply say, I'm a Christian, we want disciples. That's what we want, disciples. People who are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The danger among Christians in America today is because of internet and TV and all these things, I mean, we have an incredible amount of Christian resources and content available to us. And Christians often create their own tailor-made kind of do-it-yourself religion. The only problem with that is that if you're, involved in a, if you're not involved in a group or in a local church, there is no accountability for your spiritual growth. Because you're designing everything just the way you want it. And accountability is so incredibly crucial to help us become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Surveys today reveal that over 60% of people say believing in God is the main element to being a Christian. 60% say believing in God is the main element. Now you might say, well that sounds good, I agree with that. But what does it mean? It means that there's 60% of people out there that Jesus Christ is not the central figure to their faith. And that's so important that Jesus remains the central figure. So where where am I going with this? Well, we live in a culture, you know, today, 
that values tolerance over truth. Not but a few decades ago, you would probably say truth was the highest value. It even seemed that way when I was, when I was just a young kid, but not so today. And our kids are actually being brainwashed with this idea that tolerance is more significant than truth. And in a culture that values tolerance over truth, you can talk about God all you want, and nobody gets upset. But if you talk about Jesus being the only way to God, and immediately you'll be labeled as radical and possibly intolerant. Sometimes, even by those who believe the same thing you believe, but are just frightened to stand up and say it. I believe, listen to this, 2012, this is the year we need to continually reintroduce people to Jesus Christ. To his teachings, to his life, and to his way. That's what we have to do. So how, how do we do this is the question. How do we accomplish that? Well, first of all, we've got to know the word. We've got to know the word. We have to know the Bible. Here's what the, the, in 2 Timothy it says in the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God, us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, America today is biblically ignorant. And sadly, often, most of the churches as well. And here's why you've got to know the Word of God, because if you don't know the Word of God, chances are you're not sharing the Word of God. Chances are you're not getting involved in spiritual conversations. Chances are you're withdrawing, and no growth and no outreach is ever going to occur. One of our major goals this year that I have for you as, as a people of Windover Hill is that every person would read through the Bible this year. Every person. Now, you might be sitting here this morning, you might be saying, but, but Tom, I've got some issues with the Bible. There's some stuff in there I just don't quite believe. That's okay right now. It's okay. I'll take you right where you're at. The Lord certainly does. Just get into his word and read. Get into his word and be working through it. We have the entire reading plan for the year uh, available to you on email, and we can, we can give that to you at any point electronically. There's many reading plans and reading paths that you can get on yourself. Just do a little Google search, and you can get started in just two or three minutes reading and working through it. But use every day and get into the Word. Moms and dads, uh, and this was a challenge to me as Shree and I were processing this, if we would just turn off the TV for 30 minutes and get into God's Word, I don't think there's a bigger impact we could make on our kids. For 30 minutes, if we would just read God's word, the impact we would make. You'll still catch your show. You'll still get your movie. But surely all of us have 30 minutes to turn it off and to get into God's word. Here's the question. Where are you on your spiritual journey? Where are you at on your spiritual journey? If you look to last year and you, and you track the whole year, did you grow forward, forward? Did you move forward? Did you move back? Was there movement at all in your spiritual growth? What type of strategy do we have to help you in this area? Well, first thing I want to share with you is that I want you to think steps, not programs. I want you to think about steps, not programs. Now, this might be a major change in your thinking about the way a church operates because if we're not careful, uh, most churches have all kinds of programs. You know, you go to this study or you go to this class and maybe you go to this group and then this activity. And before you realize it, I mean, you are so busy and filled up But when you look at your spiritual journey, you've never got from point A to point B. You're still sitting right there, but you're awfully busy. And what we want to say is, you know, wait a minute. There needs to be a process to help us along on our spiritual journey. Now, we realize this process, this isn't the all in all. 
You need to be in God's word yourself and tracking yourself, but here's some ways that we want to research you. First of all, where do you begin? You can begin with a thing called fresh start. If you're new to the faith, if you're a new believer, fresh start is something we want every one of you to go through. It's designed not simply for a new Christian, but for anyone who wants a new beginning on their walk with God. You know, the neat thing about Fresh Start is we actually pair you up with somebody one-on-one and you can walk through this at your own pace. In fact, you'll see a new uh, sign-up sheet in back that says Fresh Start. It's just a 10-week study or 10-lesson study that you can work through one-on-one with somebody in the church that can be helping you. And the thing about Fresh Start is This helps you to learn what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is huge to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that's where you can begin on your spiritual journey. Next uh, is the word belong. We want you to plug into a small group. We want you to get involved in that small group because you can live in this triad with hundreds of thousands of people and yet still feel very spiritually alone. For a year now, we've offered groups for a season to help people get connected and get a taste of what small group life is about. And we're ready to launch phase two of our small group ministry this semester. Our small groups start on February 12th, and, and there'll be, like I said, several more added this go-around. Our goal is that everyone would be connected into a small group. Now, you might ask, what's phase two? Well, phase two broadens what we did before. It goes beyond the, the goal of connecting you into community and to fellowship, which is very important, but wanting to really study into God's Word, plug into God's Word, and study God's Word as well. Phase two often broadens the definition of a small group. We want to make it easy for everyone to get connected, so we realize the need to offer additional forms of small group for people to get connected. And so over the course of the year, you're going to see small groups launch that connect with all types of people or or types of times, meeting times, but they're all staying focused on helping you grow spiritually in your Christian walk. And then the word beyond. We want to be sure you go beyond where you were this year. Spiritual formation is a very important part of that. And so we're going to launch and offer you uh, classes that are designed specifically for spiritual formation. Uh, One of the ways that that, this will happen is just in the two, three-week tracks of classes. And in this classes, there's really three categories that you'll be able to choose from. There's practical Christianity, there's the Bible, and there's theology. Now, these aren't designed to come and get, get your full bit of information in your Christian walk and walk away and check that off and say, I've grown, I'm there. These are kickstarts for you. These are teaching you about God's word, about practical theology, or Christianity, or about basic theology as well. You can take one class for three weeks and take another class for the other three weeks. And these will be happening starting in March, one night a week. So that's part of our process to help you grow. The process is much richer and deeper, but the key is that you think about steps and that you're taking one step forward in your Christian approach. But we know it's, it's not enough just to know the Word of God, right? I mean, we have to live the Word of God. The Bible tells us in, in the book of James, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says is what the Bible says. That's about as straightforward and simple as we need to hear. The longer I'm in ministry, I'm learning this. Check out this, this quote. The greatest challenge in discipleship is not information, it's implementation. It's not information. It's not how much I know. It's what I do. If we're not careful, we, we think we need to do what? 
we need to go to another class. We need to take another Bible study, right? We need to read another Christian book. But no, that's probably not the answer for most of us at all. We simply need to put in practice what we already know. You know that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that people around you are lost without that saving knowledge. You know that we're called to meet the needs of the world. And so what do we do? Just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it and implement what we already know. The danger is, though, it's much easier to go to a Bible study than to get out of my comfort zone and talk to somebody about Jesus or to feed the hungry or or maybe even to serve in our kids' programs that I talked about. Did you know that for most churches, one of the greatest areas of stress for their staff is in trying to find enough kids' workers? It's not unique to us. It's, it's nationwide across the board. Small church, big church, it doesn't matter that they deal with this. Um, they deal with this difficulty. Um, so we need you. We need more. We need more kids' workers. The greatest area of growth in our church has been a kids' ministry program. So we need more kids' workers. And what better opportunity to serve than to care for the little ones of our future? To get in there and to make an impact on their life. I mean, I even put a sign-up sheet out today because I wanted to urge you push you, challenge you, maybe get out there and drag you back there if necessary. Now, I won't quite do that. Uh, but to encourage you to sign up and serve in that area. One, one week in, a month, but an eternity of blessing when one of those kids comes to know the Lord. So the issue really, it's not information, it's, it's how I take what I do and apply it to my life. Now, you could take a look at their Facebook statuses and look down at the information section, and guess what? Most of the ones you look at are going to say Christian next to it. So what's the problem? The problem is that most of us checking that box, we just haven't experienced that transforming power of Christ that shows up in all areas of our life. It's implementing it. We want to have a heart and mind of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We're supposed to be different, right? We're supposed to be like Jesus in our community. Letting Jesus be the center of our lives, that means Jesus is the center of our finances. It means Jesus is the center of our marriages. It means Jesus is the center of our parenting. Putting Jesus at the center of our lives for an hour or two or Sunday morning, it just won't accomplish the mission of Windover Hills Church. And so we exist to win people to Christ, right? We exist to train up believers, and then we exist to send disciples out to impact our world. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1-8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. earth excuse me. You see, Windover Hills, this is where our philosophy might be a little different. So perk up for a second and hear this. We don't have a lot of desire to launch an endless number of programs and then me get on the phone and call you trying to plug you into spots that we need to fulfill that program or that event that we're doing. Um, and you don't like it either, right? I mean, you might say, Tom, I, I like the sound of that. I don't like those calls. Um, I like where you're going with that. Uh, no, you know what we'd like to see instead? We want to see you fall on your face, flat in front of God, and ask him, what have you designed me to do, Lord? What have you called me? How have you called me to impact those people around me? What have you called me to, in my power, with your help to get up and go do? What have you called me to do? And then we want to empower and resource you to help that happen. That's a different philosophy. That's a different philosophy. Because most of the time, if we're not careful in the church world, the church is planning and organizing and pushing everything, and then we're just seeing you as people that can kind of fill in and help out and, and make it happen in the end. 
But that's not the fulfillment of what God wants each of us to do in ministry. He wants us to get out. So what's the church's role, you might ask? Well, our church's role is to give biblical insight to you. Our church's role is to be a checks and balances to help make sure, indeed, this is from God. Our church's role is to help empower and resource you, sometimes even financially, if that's what it takes, to make sure that ministry that the Lord has put in your heart happens. A church can really only successfully manage about two or three good outreaches. But releasing you to go before God and launch out to it, man, that can spawn a hundred different a hundred different outreaches out there. And so we encourage you that, that way. This, this Christmas, a family from our church, they went out and they had collected these coin jars. And they went out and handed these coin jars to a few families that they just felt need a little, uh, little uh, Christmas boost. Now, they didn't wait for the church to launch a program to do that. They, they collected those and carried those out all by themselves. In fact, I didn't even know until it was on Facebook that, that this was going on. They didn't sit back and grumble and... Uh, and wonder, why isn't the church doing this? Or the church should launch a program in this. They just followed what God was telling them to do and got out and did it. Here's a couple numbers for you. In 2011, we gave $11,967 to the uh, Wesleyan District. Part of that money goes to support church plants and to support global missions. In 2011, we gave a gift of, of over $1,200 to the Out of the Garden Project who feeds hungry children in our school systems. And we helped several families to the sum of nearly $1,500, families that needed to to keep their utilities on at their house, and we were able to help in that. Every person that showed up at their door went away with at least a bag of food when they came by. And this doesn't even touch the generosity that you had, the testimonies that you have of reaching people uh, when they were in need. Those those are awesome things. But guess what? There's more to do. There's more we can do. And then this year, we're going to focus in an area of ministry that we're going to call compassion and justice. Compassion and justice will help us stay focused on serving the needs of those around us, those that are worldwide. Plus, it'll also help bring an awareness to the injustices in our world, too, that we need, that we need to put a hand in helping things such as, as human trafficking that goes on every day right here in our country, probably right here in Greensboro. And we want to make a difference in that. We can do this. Even from a small church in a small town in North Carolina, we can do this. We can make a huge impact. Overall, we seek to help connect one more person, help one more person find their way back to God. And we do this by serving as well. So what's it going to take to make this happen this year is the question. What will it take for us to accomplish these goals this year? I want to ask you to take out the card that, that uh, you were handed I want to put one phrase in front of you to serve as our theme this year. This will be our theme for the entire year, and we'll say it over and over and over. The phrase, it's on your card, it says, all in. That's our phrase, and that's our theme for the year. How are we going to accomplish the mission that the Lord has put before us? We're all going to be all in. That's how we're going to accomplish it in 2011. In fact, when I say I'm, you'll say? All in. All in. Good. Thank you, both. So when I say I'm, you say? Yeah, good. Some of you didn't move your mouth. You're not understanding how this, how this operates. So that's the key. That's the key. If we're going to reach this city for Jesus Christ, we all will have to be all in. It's not just going to be a few people sacrificing and everybody else kind of watching. We'll all have to be all in to make this happen. So if you have this card, take it out. And I want to walk you through some commitments of being all in that will make a significant impact on our mission this year. 
take out that card, and there's pins right in front of you in the, the little pockets. There's some boxes there, and, and if I read through this, if you're making that commitment or if you've already committed to that in your life or if you're already doing that here, just check that box. Check that box. I will read through the, the Bible, the entire, excuse me, I will read through the Bible this year. If you've committed to doing that, then just check that box. You don't have to read our, our reading plan. Um, in fact, there's some reading plans that actually go through the Bible, but they skip some passages. That's okay. That's okay. You're not disqualified if you follow that reading program. Just get in and read through the Bible. Know the story of the Bible. So if you're committed to doing that, just check that box. Check it. Secondly, I want to invite at least one person to church each month. Now, I kind of feel like I'm going soft on you here. Uh, you know, one person for the whole month. But, uh, uh, but let's start there. God has one great marketing campaign. It's you. It's I. We're the marketing campaign. Uh, he doesn't choose the billboard route, the commercial route. He chooses us to go out and share. So if you've committed to doing that, if you say, yeah, I want to invite one person to church, maybe right now you do that like every week or you know, maybe you just you know, you'll kind of bug the heck out of people every time you see them, invite them, so you check that box. But maybe for you this is a step out of your comfort zone. It pushes on you a little bit to say, you know, I, I need to start thinking about who I can invite and, and how I can develop a relationship that will open the door for that. So just check that box. Three, it says, I will join a small group. You say, I'm already in one. Fine, check the box. If you're already in one, that's fine. But our goal is to connect everyone into a small group. So for some of you, you're, you're like, you know, I, I know you talk about that all the time, and, and you really push us on that, but uh, this year, you know, I'm going to try that. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try a small group. Just check that box on there as well. This week on our website, you'll see all the groups will be posted as well as some registration information. If you're already in a small group, you don't need to fill out the registration because then I don't have to go through 130 registrations. Um, But if you haven't connected into a small group, then we encourage you to do that and fill out the registration. So check that box if that's your commitment. Fourth, I'll trust God for the first tenth of my finance, the first 10% of my income. Whoa. You know, say, wait a second, Tom, back up the truck. So, so you slip that one in on us on number four. If you're already tithing or you're giving above the tithe, then check that box. But there might be some of you that have, you've been challenged over the months, and you've been challenged at the start of a new year to start tithing and to start giving, as, just as the Bible shares with us to do. And if this is it, if this is your first time to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, or if you say, you know, I got off that a long time ago, and I'm going to get serious about that again, Check that box so we know. Now, men, listen for a second. I want to be straight with you. When we talk about tithing, men, most of us, our wives aren't the ones that have a problem with it. We're the holdup often. We're the ones that struggle for whatever reason. So, guys, I want to challenge you in your homes. Step up. Step up in this area. Show your family that you'll trust God in this area. Model this for your kids as well. Because men, we want to see, we want to see you lead in this area. In 19, or excuse me, in 2011, we fell nearly $20,000 short of our projected budget. About $20,000. Rough times, it's tough economically uh, as well, so we understand those things. And, and to a degree, uh, it was somewhat expected. But roughly 80% of our people gave something at least once over the course of the year. But only about 37% would be considered regular tithers. About 37% would be considered regular tithers. Guess what suffers when that happens? Well, our mission suffers. 
our ability to finance certain aspects of our mission suffer. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing that, that suffers in this time is that we lose out on the blessing of what a life of trusting God brings. When we start trusting God with the dearest things of our life, man, that blessing pours out. And it's not even just financially. When we start trusting God with our kids, trusting God with our jobs, man, it's amazing the blessing that God pours out. And so I want to challenge you this year as the start of a new year to tithe, to give of your 10%. And if this morning you're like, man, I really want to make that challenge, check that box. If you're feeling like, man, I'm just, I'm just on the edge, Tom, I'm struggling with that, it's just hard, go home and pray on it, wrestle on it. We won't beat you up anymore. Um, that's, not a, that's not our job. Just go wrestle with it. Process with the Lord what he wants you to do. Get into his word as well. So check that box. And uh, God promises us when he, we put him first, our needs will be met. Five, I'll serve one hour a week in my church or my community. Gang, I told you our need for, for kids workers, and that's great. But we want you to know that God has called you to serve anywhere. And you'll notice how we wrote that on there. We said to serve one hour in my church or my community. We're not just looking to plug you into slots of ministries we have going on here, though that's important. If you want to go down the neighborhood and start collecting shoes to send overseas, do it. Do it. Just get out there and serve. Get out there and serve your community. TC has been kind of, uh, my son, has been kind of stealthily going next door and dragging out the ladies' uh, trash cans out to the road. Um, It hasn't happened every week, but, uh, you know, it's well in 10 ever so often. Um, You know, and I set TC down one day and I said, that's serving. It's serving. When you think about doing something for somebody else, it's serving. You can do this type of service anywhere. You may look at your life right now and go, man, I'm not serving anywhere. I mean, I got my job, and maybe my job's even people-related, but I'm not serving anywhere. And you say, it's time to step up and serve. Just check that box. In a few minutes, our, our ushers are going to come around, and they're going to take up our morning offering. And what I'm asking for you, if this morning you've made commitments, I'm asking that you put your name there at the top. The little slot that says, I blank, that would be your name, am all in to put your name on there, and to drop that in. Now, this is not like a legal contract, like we're coming after you and seeking the lawyers of our church to help. No, this is an opportunity for us to know how to pray for you, for me to know how to pray for you, and to encourage you if you need be in this area. So keep filling that out, keep writing, and finish that. In just a few minutes, the ushers are going to come along. I want to finish off this state of the church address talking about an issue that I've, I've probably been asked, uh, I don't know, 30 times or so in the last year, and our board has actually been processing in depth for two, two or three different months now. It's the question of, how long are we going to be in this building? <laughs> Have you ever asked that question or, or wonder, well, I wonder what the future is of this? But well, wait a second, you just perked up and came back to life. What, were you sleeping the last points? I need to go back a couple pages and... <laughs> What are we going to do about this building? How long are we going to be in this building? I shared with you a few sermons ago that we've spent, uh, in a 10-year period, about $456,000 in rental uh, money for this building. There's a few things we own, a couple of the uh, evac units on the roof, all of the furniture and stuff inside the building. Uh, But for the most part, the building and and, and much of the building is owned uh, by the owner, and we pay rent to that. Over the course of that year, above the 456000 uh, there have been certain repairs or uh, improvements that we've done to the building as well, which would take that money up. There's also a, 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 a utilities 
uh, cost that goes with a, an older building and more of a warehouse-style building that might be a touch more than what might be in a more secure and, and, uh, uh, and certainly a building that doesn't have as many cracks uh, in the edges. Um, the Lord has blessed us in this building immensely. There's no doubt what the Lord has done here. And there's so many times where I've heard you say, you know, I just, I just was so kind of fed up with playing church somewhere. I just needed something totally fresh and different. And when I drove into this lot and I saw a crumbling parking lot and gravel in back and a warehouse, I said, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be. And you've grown up in the Lord. Those testimonies are priceless for us. But as we look ahead, we, re- we realize we have challenges before us as well. We have challenges in our kids' program, in the spacing of our kids' program. It's just jam-packed back there. If we were to go 20 more kids, we would be forced, no choice, but to split into two services specifically for our kids, even though on the adult side we can accommodate more in this service. It's just a... It's just a, a, a controlled chaos, we'll call it, back there every Sunday morning. But to see their faces and to see how joyful they are and what's going on, um, it, just, it just moves us to want to, to keep investing in the kids' program back there uh, as well. Um, so uh, I want to share with you a couple things that we've processed as a board. Um, call these categories that we've processed on where we could go in the future. And then I will tell you where we are at right now so that you don't think these categories mean next week you're showing up with a moving van. Okay? All right? So here's the categories. One category would be simply to make an offer on this building right here so that we own the building and that uh, we, we would see ownership in this building in a mortgage actually taking monthly costs down rather than increasing, which I know sometimes is backwards, but that's how it would set up for us here. We've played also in that option of purchasing, of, of making an offer, excuse me, on this building as well as the whole corner of this property as well, and to trying to develop or look at developing future development of this whole corner as well, meaning pros- the probability of tearing down buildings and rebuilding new things. That's a category. That's one category that we've bounced around and we've discussed as a board. Another category would be simply to launch out and to buy a piece of land and to start a a fresh building project on that piece of land. Uh, And we've discussed that piece of land. Uh, We've discussed where that land might be. We recognize in whatever direction we'd go, whether it's two miles or ten miles, that somebody in this congregation would be affected. And so we recognize that we would be challenging you to kind of step up a form of transportation commitment level for some of you to make that happen, because chances are in the immediate area, uh, it might be tougher to find a piece of land. Now, in the past year, uh, I've probably looked at 50-plus pieces of land and made calls on those type uh, of, of lands, and I remember starting with the first one thinking, ooh, that's quite a price tag you got on that there. Um, somewhere around the 30, 35, I thought, man, that first one sounded pretty good to me. So, um, so there is a fi- there's a financial thing that, that as a church we would want to process through very carefully in moving into a new facility. We have no desire to throw millions of dollars on a beautiful-looking building that would hamper our ability to minister because of a debt. We, we are not opposed to some form of debt but it has to be incredibly manageable for us, much like what we pay currently in monthly expenses. We have no desire to jump that up simply for the the sake of being in a building 
and then not be able to minister within that building. Our third category is looking at an existing building, an existing, uh, whether it be a warehouse or office front or storefront, and going in and purchasing that type of building and renovating that building specifically for our purposes. Um, I've equally looked at uh, quite a number of those and called on quite a number of those as well. And we've processed as a board what that would look like to get in. And so uh, we have also, our fourth thing we've processed in in this type of setup is the possibility of if we were to move into a, bu- a new building or in by land into moving into a, a different facility for the time that that building would be being built or refurbished um, so that our expenses would be down and we could put the money forward to that building as well. All of these things are things that we have been processing as a board. I feel for us very strongly that the stewardship of our giving uh, is hurt by continually renting this facility. That doesn't mean we wouldn't rent for another year or two. We're processing those type of things. But we don't see ourselves renting for 10 more years as we've done. We see ourselves putting that money into a place and into a building that we can own. You see, we don't know what our future holds in our country. And we desire to have a place that we can call the shots on how we serve and care for you. And that we can open the doors up when we want to open the doors up uh, to care for you in tough times. And ownership gives us that as well. And so that's the direction that your board is tracking and processing. I can tell you that as we move this direction, at some point, we'll call for some type of of capital campaign uh, for the church family. But we also, again, challenge you to raise up in your tithe and in your commitment in that area. And we think financially, these type of things won't be major barriers to get over. It will take sacrifice, and it'll be difficult, but it won't be major barriers uh, to get over. And so that's where, that's our categories that we've processed. Let me tell you where we're at currently right now. Where we're currently at is we have a building committee that is in our conference in the West District of the Wesleyan Church who will be coming and meeting uh, with myself, and we'll be looking at each of those options and, and a list of several properties And we'll be asking them, tell us, what do you think about this? How do you process this? And these are three gentlemen that this is is their job. This is where their, their, their expertise is. And they're offering their services free of charge to come and walk around and to answer questions for us that we may not be able to answer for ourselves. Questions about sewage, uh, questions about uh, um, zoning issues, and things like that that we don't necessarily have the expertise on our board to answer. And so they'll be coming and meeting with us. When that report is done, we'll be able to go back to the board and we'll be able to talk more intelligently about what the best option is to step forward. And so we'll keep you informed of where we're at and what we're doing there. Now, the uh, risk in sharing with you about the building is that you forget the first 30 minutes of what we talked about. (laughs) Our mission is to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we can be in a warehouse just like this, one that sometimes the the evacs work and sometimes the heating and air conditioning and sometimes they don't. (laughs) And um, sometimes a rock gets kicked up every once in a while in our parking lot. We understand all that stuff. We can still reach people for Jesus Christ right now. So don't for a second wait to hear a report on what we're doing building-wise to put the mission of what we talked about in our state of the address into play. Get out there and invite and reach people and serve people for Jesus Christ. And when I look at this church, um, numerical growth would, will be a given. We don't, we don't have to sit and ponder and wonder and, and strategize over that. Um, 
but the impact that we make on people that you work with, that you live with, that will be huge, huge. And guess what? The impact it makes on your life, it'll be a life transformational. Can I pray with you? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank that you have a vision for this church that you've laid on us. And Lord, this vision has nothing to do with a pastor or a staff or even a board. It has to do with every single person that you've called to be your follower in this, in this body, in this congregation. And Lord, that we, we can rise up, Lord, and we can accomplish this. Lord, thank you for the history of Wendover Hills. Thank you for the last year and the growth. There's so much to be joyful about, Lord. There's so much to, to just thank you and the blessing that you've put on us. Lord, when I look out and I, I see faces of people that I, I didn't see a few months ago and that are here with their families worshiping, Lord, I'm just so blessed in that. Lord, to see people that I know, they were, they were far from you a year ago, and this year, Lord, they are walking with you, and they are striving to grow all the time and to just rest in your grace. Lord, we give you praise for all of those testimonies that are before us. But Father, we are jealous for more testimonies. We're jealous for more that you would do increasingly more in our midst. And Lord, we know that it will take nothing short of more of our surrender before you as our Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, I just would pray that you would drive us that direction. Put our nose in your word, that we would search it and know you. And then, Lord, would you just push us forward with boldness, that we would share who you are, invite people into your presence, invite people into our family here, worshiping alongside of them, broken people, just loving them. And then, Lord, would you, like your word say, would you, would you just overflow the storehouses? Just overflow them for us, Lord. We give you the praise in all we do. In your son's name, amen. Well, our ushers are gonna come. They'll take our, our morning tithes and, and our offerings. And you hear us every week say, remain faithful. I've, we've heard of talk about it. If you're new with us, this is really not something designed for you, but if the Lord has put on your heart and you're just saying, hey, I won't be here. I, I live in another town, but I just wanna bless you guys. By all means, we... we we would uh, receive that blessing and be thankful for that. But, uh, but stay, stay focused on that. If uh, you have your card, just check those boxes, sign your name, drop it in there as well. I would love to be starting every morning when I show up to the church to be praying over a few cards every single day in your commitment. Uh, that'd just be an awesome way to start our day. So why don't you stand with me and let's go out singing one more good one.